The following is an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by President of Applied Vision Works, Don Hadley. An in-depth look at the four pillars of sustainable success. This is Craig Chase with Applied Vision Works. I wanted to take a minute to talk to you all about leadership. So I feel like most people have an incomplete ideology with leadership. You may have heard the phrase, you don't need to be in a leadership position to be a leader, but obviously you hope that the people you have in those positions are actually leaders. The uh, the other day, actually an inspiration to write this, I looked up leadership on dictionary.com and I laughed out loud. Some of the synonyms included authority, control, management, rule. And I think that ideology is just so outdated. Oh my God. You're so right. (laughs) One of the things that makes me successful as a manager is my ideology hasn't shifted with positions. It's really been always about setting up other people for success, whether it's my superiors or my, I don't want to call them inferiors, but my teammates and my subordinates. So my job was to serve as a follower and do everything in my power to set up that management team. And the same is true with me as a leader. You really need to step back and see what areas need support and ensure you're working for the team. I feel like the best managers are mentors and a support system and viewed by the team that way as well. Currently, my boss, I don't even look at him as a boss. We sit down and we talk every day and he helps guide me to make myself better. And in turn, I funnel that energy right back into the company and we grow together. If I had to really choose a definition, I would say that leadership is the ability to inspire others positively to meet a common goal. And it sounds like the main way you're doing that is through being a follower, a great follower, or a servant leader, as I hear a lot out there in the culture. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think a lot of it plays into that. So what's what's a good example recently of where you've done this or where you used to work or just some specific? Yeah, so one of my uh, favorite examples is recently with our Monday morning meetings. I have been working on controlling my emotions whenever things come at me unexpectedly. I have a, uh, a little bit of OCD, and in certain cases, whenever I get outside of my normal pattern, I start to feel a little bit funky, and I'm sure I start to look a little bit funky as well. So in knowing that, I am going to get hit. So I shouldn't say hit. That's a very... Well, but psychologically, it can feel like you're getting hit, which I absolutely get. But you're handling the hit differently now than you used to as a leader, correct? Correct. I'm setting myself up knowing coming in that it's not about me getting what I want to get done. It's about getting Dawn and what other individuals I'm working with that day in the position they need to get done and getting them the items and uh, information they need to get them in the position to be successful. When I think about the question you most often ask me and others around us, it's how can I help set you up for success today? And I love that because, again, whether your leader follower almost doesn't matter. I think a lot of management terms, org chart stuff, positions melt into the background. And it's really about how we can operate best together and provide each other the best of each other, best of each other's resources for success. Hey, guys, let me break in real quick. So this is Monty Perry with Oxano. Just look, can I challenge a little bit of that? Of course. Craig. So I, 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 I think you're right. I think the whole leadership thing is super important. I think teaching others to be leaders, having a team of people that can think freely and for themselves is important, that have their own ideas and their own creativity. But you had mentioned a couple of words that you said you laughed at. And so I'm going to, I think you had said control and authority and these things were funny to you sarcastically. But for me, I find that 
that control and authority has some importance within leadership. Beyond my business life, I've been coaching youth athletics for 15 years. So I spend, my my hobbies are basically coaching kids, right? And have been for 15 years, basically year round. I'm in gyms and on fields forever. And you can't always tell because kids have to grow and develop and nurture just like staff does. But, you know, if I'm a coach, the kids aren't expecting me to just, they're expecting me to have some control and some authority because it's needed. I think that in the business world, it's pretty it's pretty true to that. Let me give you an example if I can, just please, quickly. Please right? do so. So I had this conversation with a group of CEOs about four or five months ago. And basically someone said, well, I have a tyrant in my business and this tyrant's been in the business for so long and the staff hates this tyrant, right? Okay, and I agree. And I said, shot my hand up and I said, right, I agree. People hate the tyrant, but maybe here's what's going on that you're missing that I think is important important. If you're not careful and you don't exhibit some authority and some control, sure, they hate the tyrant, but they're going to hate you because you didn't do anything about it and you were the one with the authority to do something. So I get what you're saying. We have to grow and and challenge people to grow and get them to be thinkers and, and all those sorts of things. But to me, it's a pretension to think that everyone in an organization is going to be a leader. That's simply not how the world works. They're, not everyone in an organization is going to agree on all points. That's utopia. Leadership is about, sure, mentoring those, everyone that will take it, but it's also about keeping the control and being a good guide for the team, but being a protector of the team. I have to do as best I can what's right for individuals, but my very first responsibility as a CEO, my first fiduciary responsibility is to the team, T-E-A-M, not to the one. And so I, I get that you take a shot at the control and authority, but um, don't you don't you think that it's at least important? Well, I do think it's important, but I would argue that that's more management styles and parenting compared to actual leadership. You can have that leadership and also be a manager with that more direct approach, but the ideology with behind the actual leadership is to build people up. If you're managing them, telling them what to do, I think those are kind of two separate categories. Well, management isn't telling people what to do. Management is showing people what to do and helping them stay on track and eliminating obstacles to help them complete their work. That's management. I'm not talking about suffocating them under your thumb. I'm talking about being the authority or an authority that that keeps a realistic pulse on the business or on the team to make sure that there are going to be those that step out of line. You agree with that? You have an organization of one or two, I can maybe manage better, right? An organization of 190 or 6,000, a little bit different. So that control and authority piece in there has some element. Washington didn't, didn't cross at Valley Forge with some guys who weren't complaining with no shoes and frozen feet. There were some complaints there. A little bit of, he motivated and inspired but I assure you, he had a presence of control and authority that those guys actually leaned into. They they wanted that, right? Uh, my first mentor in business, among many things he taught me, one was everyone wants to be led. Everyone wants to be led. And I think leadership is not just, hey, hooray, you can go get it. But, hey, I'll take darts for you if you need me to. I'm out front. Well, see, I love just listening. I just want to observe as I listen to y'all. And I want you to keep bouncing this back and forth. But as I listen to it, part of what's exciting to me is that I think you're giving aspects of whether it's leadership management whatever but you're giving aspects that's really the art form of this thing Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's not necessarily what you do but how you do it when you do it how long you do it there's a lot of those elements to it for many years i've been frustrated with leadership by example well the problem is 
I can see behavior, I can see physical movement, I can hear words, but unless I understand what's going on behind in somebody's head and heart, it's very difficult to teach people and get them that higher level. Mm. So as I listen to you guys talking, it's not just the art form, it's kind of what's behind the behavior. Sure, and art is a great word. That's a great word. The one thing, Monty, that's really sparked me in our conversation, there's a book by Stephen Covey. I believe it's the Leadership Principles or something along that lines, and it talks about, I believe there are seven or eight different types of leadership styles. And so maybe our thought process might be incomplete between the two of us. Because I remember there was the dictator, the cheerleader, the motivator. There was a whole bunch of different ones. And I remember whenever I read that thinking, you know what, I wear those different hats all the time in different situations. So maybe even broadening our perspective, maybe the real point of leadership is we need to know when to use these particular skill sets and when to effectively push them in. So thank you for that. Agree. A great leader is all those things, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Washington cried for his men as he led them, right? So I think that's a great point. But it's not exclusive to one or the other. And I think some element of that control and authority is a positive for the organization. So it's a great point. Yep. The, it, as you were talking at the very beginning, and your part of what ran through my head was the phrase, everybody's a leader. But maybe listening to your discussion, everybody should be a leader at the right time. Everybody should be a follower at the right time because it's not all one way, not necessarily all the other. And maybe that's the sophistication of it. How do you develop that? I mean, you guys are talking about this, mm. and you know, some people maybe have more skill sets for it, but there's nobody I know of that hasn't been able to develop a better ability of managing, leading. What is it they need to learn? How can people learn this? Get, get the art form of it, if you will. Not necessarily the books, yeah. not necessarily the logic, but, but how do they develop that art form? Making mistakes by being in leadership situations where you've made mistakes before and learning from them, seeing the direct actions of poor management and what you did wrong and reflecting on how you would do it over again if you had the opportunity and learning from those mistakes. It's mm. been my biggest yeah, outside of books. Yeah, I think I could see that. To me, the, the other thing is, is can you move people, right? Leadership isn't just about policies and processes. We talked about about this in an, in an earlier show, right? Policies and processes are important, don't get me wrong, right? We have to establish those. But can you move people? And I, I've seen guys who were really good leaders and, you know, the whole leadership by example thing that you mentioned, right? That Sometimes that works, right? If you manage a bunch of welders in a business and you're three levels up from them, how do you, how do you lead by example for a welder if you never touched a, touched, you know, a iron before, right? Uh, so, but I, I think there's that people thing. Can you move people? And not everyone has that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a believer. I, I do think that you can develop some of those, to Craig's point, over time. You know, so we all so have how, different gifts and trainings and abilities and skills, right? how do you right? move people? If I'm trying to learn how to move people what do i need to learn how to do either one of y'all the emotional trigger that gets them whatever that is it yeah. might be money it might be a pat on the back it might be telling them they're doing something wrong they need to pick it up yeah I, I, you mentioned a great word the emotional thing i mean it, listen it lost eq iq right can a guy with a can a guy can forrest gump with a 60 iq i mean you know can he go be can he can can he build rockets you know probably never <laughs> going to be able to do that right there's some limitation well don't shouldn't we look at emotional intelligence the same some people just have that gift of emotional intelligence and they can move people they can rally people they can understand where they are not everyone has a really high eq right I think that we can, to Craig's point, you can learn through some experience. You can learn through some failure, sure. But I think the other part of leadership is some of that. Not everyone in leadership is going to have that. Who's willing to call the shots? Not everybody's willing to call the shots, right? It's okay to defer and ask the team and ask my experts, the people that we hire that have that. that that's, but sometimes in the middle of the night, the call comes.
problems and there's a call that's got to be made. Leadership isn't it about that guy or girl who say, here's where we're going to go. Let's be decisive and let's get trucking. I mean, that's not always true. Of course, that's an extreme. But in that a part of leadership that that back to that control and authority thing, hey, guys, we're not going to make this decision as a community. I'm going to take great information and we're going to make a decision and move forward. And that's how I move, at least in some part, move the team. Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand. There's going to be some misses there. But I think the importance of at least that willingness to be decisive is another piece of leadership, at least at the top. Now, I'm not, we can have middle managers and zillions of them, but at the top of the, the pecking order to move an organization, you have to have, my opinion, some of that. Because if it's always about everybody else gets to make all the decisions, well, sorry, miss, what the heck do we need you as CEO for? Sorry, sir, what do we need you for? You got to have some of that. And I think, and do making those decisions with confidence and say, hey, team, we can do it together and I need your help. That's that piece that, that I think, Craig, that you're talking about that's essential, right? Those those conversations that you talked about you have with your boss, right? But somebody's got to be willing to say, let's move this direction with some conviction. So, you know, part of what I'm hearing is that it's, I remember something we teach in our program and it's really about rigidity. If I rigidly make all the decisions all the time, mm. or if I'm over here rigidly always team collaboration, always will I talk about it in the group decision, neither one alone is good. But if mm-hmm. I'm flexible, can figure out where I need to be based on the situation, what's going on, what the event is, what the patterns have been, the capabilities of the people around me, the data I'm getting, mm-hmm. then I can look at each situation as a leader and decide where it needs to be in that spectrum. And then within that spectrum, decide who to involve and how to teach them kind of along the way. Absolutely. Then maybe that's really kind of what it's about. Perfect. You know, kind of what you were defining with servant leadership, that there's a sacrifice that has to be made. But I've also found that there's a, there's a dark side to that, if you will. And you, you mentioned that before the podcast. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think you mentioned that pattern you see in yourself from time to time. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the J-curve? Or what are you speaking of Well, more the, sel- the self-sacrifice would sometimes turn into becoming ah. a martyr. Mm. Yes. And I think that's a, where there's a lot of servant leadership mm-hmm. sacrifice can be an indication. Are we moving into... Yeah, sacrificing too much and becoming a martyr. I think it's important. There's two aspects to it. Sacrificing to grow your business, which we talked about last time, where deciding whether you want to take your money and invest it into yourself and into nice things or investing that money back into your company to help it grow. Hmm. You may still have growth. It's a much smaller scale, but there's the sacrifice on the financial end, but then also on the personal end. Whenever I am setting other people up for success, I'm obviously not getting my things done and it starts to add up. It can, it can start to really take a physical toll on you and a mental toll. There's there have been many nights I'm laying in bed thinking, wow, I didn't get this done and get that done and get this oh. done and get that done. But but you helped all these other people. Right. Correct. In certain instances, it's appropriate. Like, for instance, my boss travels a lot. So Monday morning, if I don't have all his stuff lined up and I haven't set him up for success, we're both in the boat and it's sinking pretty fast. <laughs> Whereas if um, he's pushed out to sea and I'm still on the dock, I can swim or figure out another way to get there. But making sure that his boat's out and our main source of revenue is coming in is very important. So what's the mother thing do? What, what's that? End, what's that end up causing ultimately over a long period of time? Oh, it's going to you know, burn you out. Having to sleepless nights, ah, tough. It's going to burn you out. And it's going to uh, make you negative. It's going to make you rigid. You're talking about rigidity. Uh, it's going to make you rigid, and it's going to make you a negative person. I find resentment, deep-seated resentment, becomes the inability to then regain those relationships with the people around you. And I find people like that in an organization end up having to leave the organization because they just, they can't reclaim a positive view of it. Mm -hmm. I heard a really interesting uh, 
whatever we'll call it, that um, the person was upset with another person. They said, it's like you're upset that you hold the door for people and they're not saying thank you. No one asked you to hold the door for them. So having that kind of mentality going behind it is, oh, if I'm really doing this, this is a selfless act. I can't expect anything out of it. I think it can only last for so long before it becomes martyrism. Very nice. Very nice. So if they want uh, you to coach them on self-sacrifice and martyrdom and how to choose one or the other appropriately, where should they contact you? You can check out our website at AppliedVisionWorks.com or email me directly at cchase at AppliedVisionWorks.com. And Monty, if they want to talk to you about it because we're crazy and they don't, uh, we're not making any sense? Well, I'll just say that you guys have it covered. And uh, But if someone wants to reach out to me to maybe grab a beer, uh, we can do that at 919-417-5253. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture to Reach Your Destination podcast, hosted by Don Hadley, owner and president of Applied Vision Works. Any questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of 680 WPTF and Applied Vision Works.